Hey, welcome back to Let's Talk About It with Jackie and Megan. Where we like to talk about things that are messy, awkward, hard, or controversial and create a space for healing. Hey everyone, welcome back to Let's Talk About It with Jackie and Megan. Today, Jackie and I will not be arguing for once. We will be doing something a little different and talking about where Catholics and Protestants agree and where we can find common ground. Uh, Jackie, do you have any thoughts before we get started? Um, no, I think it's a good episode because I feel like we do mostly just see Protestant versus Catholic online yeah. and people arguing. And also, I think that a lot of Catholics and Protestants on both sides forget that there are things that we have in common that, that we can unite on. And I think that's especially important in this increasingly secular and anti-religion, anti-God world. I remember that Trent Horn and Gavin Ortland talked about that. They were on a podcast together. So I think it is really important to remember those things because in a lot of ways, we're uniting together um, against a world that is very anti-Christian. For sure. Yeah. And even on our podcast here, because we talk about like our differences a lot mm-hmm. and like, that's good. I think those conversations are like really important and those differences aren't small they're important, but we do have a lot that we agree on. And I would say like the foundation, foundation like core of our faith is the same, which is why we can recognize each other as a Christian and have unity that way. So I don't think we can actually like bridge that gap and be truly ecumenical unless we are willing to recognize that and the other. So yeah, yeah. I think it's a good, good conversation to have. I was just going to say we do have differences and I know it's important to recognize those things, but we, I feel like we do address those enough. So I think it's okay to every once in a while focus on what we have in common. (laughs) Yeah. I remember we did an episode last year, a year ago. It was like our favorite things about the other. And like, that was really fun to kind of talk about like what we appreciate in the other tradition. So yeah, changing it up a little, um, I know when I was like thinking about this, it really is like the core like foundation we agree on. And I would say like the things that you have to believe in order to be Christian, we agree on, Uh, you know, the Trinity, (laughs) like very important and very unique of the Christian faith that we have a Trinitarian God. Like we would both like reject modalism or tritheism uh, where like God is just like appearing in different modes or actually having three gods and like that's very unique even in other like monotheistic religions like islam for example it's not a trinitarian god so i think or mormonism is like it's not a trinitarian god so i think that's like a very unique common ground that catholics protestants even like eastern orthodox kind of come back to is like our views on like God's nature himself his attributes uh who he is um I think that's yeah definitely a huge common ground um I was just thinking about it so Catholics have like the doctrine of divine simplicity and I know there are a lot of Protestants that also affirm that Mm -hmm. and I believe that's not something like Eastern Orthodox affirm but I was curious, do like Eastern Rite Catholics affirm divine simplicity? Yeah, um, I do think oh, do. divine simplicity would, ha- it is something that is affirmed in the Catholic Church. So even though there's Eastern Rite Catholics, they have kind of like a different spirituality, but they're still united in all of the same beliefs that Catholics are held to. Um, just their liturgies and maybe their prayers or their devotions and things like that look more Eastern and even like their emphasis on certain aspects of things. Like I know mystery is a huge part of Eastern theology, um, which is something that you can focus on more and still be in good standing with the Catholic church. So yes. And I'm pretty sure I know that, yeah, I'm pretty sure divine simplicity is something that like the church has affirmed and I don't think you can disagree with it. It's something that I I've always heard is something that Catholics yeah it's like catholic teaching um that's different than like eastern orthodox don't right i'm not sure if you're eastern orthodox hit us up yeah because i'm not 
I don't quite understand Eastern Orthodox beliefs in the best. Like, I, I feel like I could easily caricature them because I don't understand them enough. And yeah, I feel like I tried to hesitate to comment because I might be doing the same thing that um, I hear people do to Catholics all the time. So, <laughs> oh, and it's true. I should know this, that the fine simplicity has been dogmatized in the Catholic church. So, Yes. <laughs> I'm pretty yeah, sure I know even just like the yeah. like philosophically wise a lot of like our roots are in like platonic and aristotelian thought mm-hmm. so I think a lot of the beliefs coming out of that are very similar between like protestant and catholic traditions where that might show like a difference in more like eastern yes. orthodoxy or like oriental yes. orthodoxy and things like that so that's mm-hmm. just like an interesting topic in and of itself <laughs> is it really sort of is. like how different philosophers have influenced different areas and regions but yeah yeah it's super interesting and I love learning more about eastern just theology I think I was exposed to that more on gospel simplicity's channel they would have orthodox on and it was a different way of looking at spirituality versus the western thought which I thought was I think is really interesting and would be worth doing more research into but to your point, divine simplicity, yes, is something that is dogmatized in the Catholic church. So Eastern Catholics do are held to that. Um, and divine simplicity, do you have a good explanation for divine simplicity, Megan? I'll let you define it. (laughs) Oh, great. So (laughs) it's basically what I've always heard in the way that makes sense to me is that God is not in parts, all of his divine attributes. He is all of them fully at once and it's not split up in parts and somehow god is all just one and i don't i'm sorry if that doesn't make sense but <laughs> that's how it, it i makes think sense. uh i don't know yeah dr ortland had a good video on this mm. it's like the essence yeah. energy distinction yeah um mm-hmm. it definitely made i got to watch it like three times but <laughs> <laughs> uh yeah it's definitely very like fun to think about and dive into I think it's always fun to like think about and talk about and learn about who God is. So I agree. And the theology that you wouldn't. Because I'm sure he explains it. (laughs) Right. What'd you say? I said we could link his video because he probably explains it. Listen to him. Yeah. Yeah. I should watch that video. Uh, Yeah. And it's not theology that you would ever think about because it doesn't impact your daily life or like your moral life within the church. So it's not theological teachings or moral teaching, moral teaching that you would contemplate day in and day out or it would affect your everyday life so it is interesting um but that is something that we we agree with we also agree on god's attributes which kind of go into divine simplicity um which i for sure the divine attributes um is it all powerful yeah so there's the like the omni ones the omnipresent um Wow, I'm like totally blanking. Um, Just and merciful. All yes. Love. Omnipresence, omniscience, omnipotence. <laughs> yes, omnipotence, omniscience, all good. Obviously, like yes. love, uh, sovereignty, me. immutability yeah. that he's yes. unchanging. Unchanging. Mm-hmm. Which I feel like those are different than some of the other monotheistic religions those attributes for sure and those are very important things to agree on (laughs) because it's also really important because it it does impact like our spiritual lives because like we are called to become more like god and to reflect his attributes and so yeah i mean you can get down in the nitty-gritty of like which attributes can we take on and which ones like uh, i cannot ever become omnipresent but i can become more righteous i can become more loving so yeah, it's it's a fun way that we image God. And just trusting that God is good and has yeah. good for us. And he is a God that is, I don't want to say worth worshiping, but is a God that you can trust. And trust is all good and loving and is both just and merciful. I think those are very important things to believe and to know when worshiping God. So, And to your point, unique from other religion where God's yeah. often were like tricky or um, jealous or in like a bad way or um, even cruel or evil at times. Um, 
I also think God's like immutability, his unchangingness is like a huge source of comfort and encouragement for me. Just knowing that like we can read the Bible and see how he interacts with his people and like know for certain without a doubt that like that's how he will interact with us and that he does not change and he won't change his mind. So yeah, I looking into God's attributes is like a really awesome way to worship him too. Yeah. Another thing we agree on is how God created that he created from nothing and God created ex nihilo. I don't never say it right because it looks different. Milo, than yeah. Said. yeah. <laughs> how do you pronounce it, Megan? I think it's ex nihilo. I've never heard it pronounced that way. I- I've heard it like neck, whatever. Either way, I know it means God created out of nothing and from nothing, which I try not to think about too much because then I'm like, well, where did God come from? And what did things look like before <laughs> God created? And then all I can picture is blackness, but blackness is still something. So I can't yeah I can't really conceptualize it and then I just I'm like you know what I can't think about this this is weird and too much so and going into that just like he's eternal like you were saying it's not like the whole like who created God like he always was and always will be yeah and that's weird it's all weird but also if you have difficult for a finite being yes and if you have atheistic view you still have to ask those same questions well what where did anything come from? Like, you can't escape yeah. how those did, questions. How did order come from chaos and things like yeah. that? How did we, how did anything become created? Where did that come from? I don't know. Yeah. My finite being brain. Not, not things I'll ever be able to fully explain. <laughs> Gives me a headache. Yes. <laughs> so we, we talked about, we believe in the Trinity. So that's God, the father. God, the son, Mm -hmm. Jesus Christ, and the Holy Spirit. But we also very much agree with a lot that we believe about Jesus, who I think is a very well-known person because he actually came and was incarnated, God incarnated and walked this earth. So he's in history books. People disagree on if he was actually God or not. But something that we do agree on is that he was the second person of the Trinity. He's fully God and fully man. Yes, the hypostatic union, which a lot of even like the like dogmas that we believe about Christ yeah. come from like, or, or very much were defined in like councils and like early creeds. Um, yeah. So I'm thinking of like the Apostles' Creed and the Nicene Creed. Those are very like foundational to the Christian mm-hmm. faith. Um, Council of Chalcedon was when they were really going back and forth on what like the whole nature of being fully God and fully man. And that's something that I know um, Assyrian Christians uh, disagree with. That was like kind of the splitting point for those traditions. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Was at the Council of Chalcedon. So that's definitely an area of agreement when it comes to like Catholic and Protestant traditions. Mm-hmm. And a reason that those had to be defined is because there were so many heresies saying, well, God's 50% man, 50% human, or he's more God, less human. But no, he was fully God and fully human, which also don't try to think about that too much. <laughs> At least I can't because I'm like, I can't really make sense of that. Um, but it also, I think that's what scripture points to. So I'm happy someone defined yeah. that before me. <laughs> did the work for me (laughs) thank you thank you for defining the hypostatic union so i could just believe in it and see that it makes sense (laughs) i also just think the core of like what the gospel message is involving jesus that he was conceived of the holy spirit born of a virgin that he was born without sin that he lived a sinless life and died on our behalf and rose from the dead those are all like he like we have to agree with them uh i think of in corinthians when paul is saying like if jesus didn't rise from the dead like we are without hope there is no christianity so just the resurrection itself is a huge huge part that like we can agree on yeah and that he died he descended into hell and then rose again and although we disagree on the means of justification that god does justify us and that we we can we can have hope for eternal life with him and that only is because of him coming and becoming human walking this earth and then dying being crucified 
descending into hell and then rising again. Um, and that's the only reason that we can be justified and sanctified. And I think, yeah, that's like the core and we can disagree on the ways in which that happens, but the means or the source of that justification is from Jesus and him dying on the cross. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like a lot of these, it's like, it's the foundation. And then once you start getting in the particulars <laughs> is where like maybe the disagreement will happen. So a lot of times it's like, oh, I can agree like to a point. <laughs> mm-hmm. Or even sometimes it might sound the same, but it's just like, oh, it's all different. <laughs> like how yeah. it plays out practically, like looks a little different. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. But those are very core things. That's the core of Christianity, I would say. And then, of course, we have the Holy Spirit. He is the third person of the Trinity. He is within us. He indwells Christians. We both believe that Jesus at, the, at Pentecost gave humanity gave us he gave the 12 apostles the holy spirit and that carries on for every christian the holy spirit is within us um and megan you can talk more about the role of the holy spirit in our lives yeah uh jesus sent the holy spirit to convict us to comfort us to protect us to guide us and to confirm within us our Mm -hmm. own faith um i think that's a really important role of the Holy Spirit. Romans talks about the spirit confers with our spirit that we are of God. And that's something that if you're struggling with like a lot of doubt in your life um, or uncertainty, that's a beautiful comforting role of the Holy Spirit that he confirms within us. No, like you are mine and you belong to me. Uh, That's like a, a very important I think even just in our spiritual life, a very important thing to have that certainty and to have that comfort, because then when you are being convicted of sin, when you feel that contrite heart, it doesn't have to be one filled with shame or fear. It is one that is like, okay, because of this grace that is being bestowed upon me, I can joyfully go and repent of my sins. Mm -hmm. And just that God, he didn't abandon us when he left. And I think that God Mm -hmm. is present with us in many ways, but especially, you know, through the Holy Spirit, that's what he was saying. And he gave, he gives us, this is something we didn't talk about, but that he also does give us like gifts through the Holy Spirit of faith, hope, charity. And sometimes even, I think we do agree on this, that he can give us even more extraordinary gifts um, and how that Mm -hmm. plays out. I'm not even sure I quite know totally, but I think we do both agree that someone can have a gift of tongues or a gift of healing or a a gift of like prophecy um, and not in a weird, bad way, but just in a way like gifts of wisdom and just, um, Mm -hmm. and there's even the ordinary gifts. I forget what those are, but of wisdom, um, obviously faith, hope, and love. Self-control, hospitality. There's like different virtues Mm -hmm. that we believe that indwells within us. The virtues that the Holy Spirit, you know, gives us that we grow in, but are in us because of the Holy Spirit and even like certain gifts. Um, I was interested, Megan, do you do much prayer or like thinking about different ways in which relating to the different parts of the Trinity? That's always like an interesting thing to me. Um, Like, well, who do I feel more present in my life right now? Which obviously they're all present always with us, Mm -hmm. but like in certain ways, like feeling the presence of Jesus, the presence of the father, or even the way that you would address them. Since we do believe that they are one God, but three separate persons. Um, yeah, that's always interesting to me. And I had heard once, like you can address each person of the Trinity differently, or if you feel like you haven't been, you know, in, as in touch with the Holy Spirit or praying to a certain person, the Trinity as much, or I don't know, because I think that they can relate to us in slightly different ways. And maybe that looks different for each person. Mm -hmm. I think I definitely see the role of the Holy Spirit more in like accompanying my prayers and like Mm -hmm. assisting me in prayer. So a lot of times I'll say like, I'm praying like to the father through the help of the Holy Spirit and with the intercession of Jesus. So it's like they're present, but they have almost like different roles in my prayer life. Um, And there are times when like knowing Jesus being our high priest who understands like he walked this earth that is very like tangible to me. And so a lot of times if I'm praying about a very specific suffering in my life that I know Jesus experienced in a like a much greater way, 
praying to Jesus feels very comforting knowing like you are also fully human. You know what I'm going through. Like you experienced betrayal, you experienced pain, you experienced just even like daily struggles on this earth. And you know, and you are uh, this great high priest who completely and fully understands me and like is with me in that. So yeah, I guess it kind of just like depends on my season of life, I think for sure. Yeah. That's just something I hadn't thought about most of my spiritual Mm -hmm. life. And then I heard that in a podcast once, I think, relating to each person of the Trinity. I was like, that's so true. (laughs) And I'd been kind of doing it um, without realizing, because I think we just naturally knowing the different things about the Trinity relate to them in different ways. But I just thought that was interesting. Yeah. Well, Megan, what do we believe about humans? That's the same. (laughs) Yes. So we talked about God, but there's, I think a lot that we agree on when it comes to just like the nature of humanity and a lot of this plays out in like you were talking about like interacting with the world and how we can come together and be united in that sense so if we can like we both agree that humans are made in the image of god that very much impacts how we then treat others right yeah. like we then are commanded to have like to view them with intrinsic value and worth because they are mm-hmm. image bearers mm-hmm. we cannot like kill and hurt and cast aside humans who are made in the image of god um i'm thinking of james where it's talking about like you can't like preach with one side of your mouth about how great god is and then despise humans because they are made in his image um so i think that's a a very core aspect uh when it comes to even just the state of humanity we both believe in like a historical adam and eve And we believe in original sin and that humans are fallen and born into this sinful, fallen, broken world. And that impacts how we view just how the world is working around us, right? Knowing that it is broken, knowing that one day it will be reconstituted and will be made new. But at at this moment in time, it is cursed with sin. Um, I also think going back on the whole, like, human beings have innate rights. This is something we could talk about more but it comes out in just like our our morals and ethics too. So it's a huge part of like the pro-life position, knowing that each human being is a person with innate human rights and worth and value. And taking that life is considered wrong. Um, It goes into even just bioethics when it comes to medicine, when it comes to science, something I've been thinking about recently is just like ethics of like end of life when it Mm. comes to like physician assisted suicide or understanding how we care for those who are dying. Um, A lot of those topics we can come together and, and have a ton of agreement on and just how we, how we are called to treat our fellow humans. Yeah. And I think of acts of charity where the that flows from and the source of that is caring for the immigrant caring for the sick caring for the homeless caring for the poor because i think a lot of people would agree with that atheist agnostic spiritual just because they see it's a good thing to do but like the source of that reason because if you really get down to it if we're all just human beings floating on this world with no source with nothing our worth comes from nothing we really are just like monkeys that have grown to have higher capabilities of thinking um there's really no moral grounding or source for really anything but especially like there's no reason that we should care for or value the homeless the poor those that offer like nothing to society and a very um like ut- utilitarian way like view of things or even the disabled like that we care mm-hmm. for the disabled even those born with disabilities or maybe they're non- non-verbal and not very functioning that they have worth and value and their life should be protected and they should be given you know like basic rights and cared for um all of that comes from this that the human being born with you know a soul has innate value and is created in the image of god and we all should be cared for in that way and do christians live up to that perfectly no, definitely not. And throughout the history, Christians have very much gone against that and not lived up to that. But 
the only way to even have like a moral grounding or justification for that is to have some kind of like view that humans are created and are good um, and have some innate value and that they actually have like, where's the source of that value? Well, it comes from God. <laughs> so even that, just having a view and are the Christian God that we have in a belief in Jesus, um, because Jesus came and like turned the world upside down before, before Jesus, mm -hmm. like the disabled, the sick, they would throw them off of like cliffs because they weren't worthy. They couldn't produce or, um, give to society or be useful. So yeah, in a purely like evolutionary evolution, I'm trying to think of the word, a word, a world that is only developing based on like evolution and is not there is no very God materialistic or a very that's what I'm thinking a very materialistic world um those other views actually make way more sense <laughs> but Jesus came and said no actually we should care for everyone life is sacred we should care for the poor the sick the needy um and also also like views of women and like lifting women up that um they are equal to men there's just these different things that only really makes sense with a belief in Jesus, like have a real source of grounding. And I think that that mm. changes a lot of the way that we live our lives is believing in the gospel and in what Jesus said was true. Even just how Jesus interacted with people who society deemed as like sort of the untouchables, right? Yes. Yeah. You see with like lepers, with lame, with blind, he would touch them he would talk to them he would heal them like they were very much important just as an individual before Jesus mm -hmm. and I think every society and every culture and in every stage of history has those who are considered lesser or lower or sort of untouchable like they are an outsider and the Christian message is that we are to be like Christ and we are to view every single human as yeah. having value and having worth regardless of like you were saying what they contribute or what they bring in our eyes what is important for our society um and you can see throughout history anytime we have started to view a certain group of people as less than mm -hmm. like horrible atrocities are committed like that is slavery that's the holocaust anytime a group of people is deemed as not having value not having worth in the same way as another group of people there is so much cruelty and evil that takes place so yeah yeah he said no gentile or jew he kind of and he would step across <laughs> the <laughs> the very cultural boundaries they had built between like samaritans mm -hmm. or different tribes and those that were not jewish and jesus said no that's not <laughs> Those things, they, those don't mean anything. We're all in the eyes of the father. We're all equal and we're all valued. Mm -hmm. And yeah, I think I was reading a book recently that was just showing like the world doesn't understand where they get so much of their ethics and the morality from. Yeah. And it really yeah. is from like from Christianity um, and from the person of Jesus and how countercultural he was and how much he changed the entire course of the world. Um yeah, it's very interesting, but I think it definitely Even like should... as simple as like how many of our laws, when you really think about them, yeah. are sort of based on the Ten Commandments. <laughs> yeah, I know. Yeah. Don't steal. Don't murder. <laughs> yeah. Something interesting that we agree on, too, that I think this is a very, very hot topic right now. Spiritual warfare, the role of the demonic in our lives, um, especially we just got past Halloween, but I also, I feel like this has always been a center of people's curiosity. And I've seen more and more like exorcists going viral on the internet and people wanting to know more. Um, but that we both believe there's a presence and influence of the demonic and spiritual attack. And I think we both agree that the devil both works in very ordinary ways. Um, and in very ex he can also work in extraordinary ways, like possessing someone or haunting a home where you might see like weird, spooky things happening, um, and that demons can actually make themselves known. Um, and then in the more ordinary ways, which is where demons, like they try to affect our thoughts and, um, 
control situations and put us in situations where we will be tempted to commit sin. Um, if something were to happen to us, the devil likes to kind of get in our thoughts and say, see, God is not good. Um, and it's very creepy <laughs> uh, when you think about it, but that the devil is at work and actively trying to drag us down and drag us away from God. Even just goes right back to the garden. Like, did yeah. God say that? Is that really, is he really good? Is he holding out on you? Just those, yeah, that that line of questioning. Or I think about uh, in the Gospels, how Satan literally comes to try and tempt Jesus. Yeah. And I heard something really interesting from a friend of mine. He was saying, like, it's very possible that Satan himself didn't even know the incarnation was possible or was going to happen and did not know if Jesus, like, who Jesus was and was, like, very much trying to, like, figure it out and be like okay what's going on here <laughs> like who is this like you see him like offer like all right i will give you you know this the entire earth is your kingdom and you think it's kind of silly because you're like uh he's jesus why would that even tempt him but if satan is like hmm <laughs> interesting yeah i've never yeah. thought about so it's like if yeah. satan would even attempt to tempt jesus we should not put it past him to try and meddle with humanity as well yeah i think that's something that we often can forget i would actually love if we did a whole episode on spiritual warfare because i know i forget about it all the time because the devil and the way he works is so insidious and it's so like tricky and he's not unique because he attacks a lot of us with the same lies but he just knows how to make us believe them so he knows how to like make his way and speak into deeply painful and horrible situations that we've gone through and be able to kind of like manipulate the situation um and speak into them lies that would be when we're weak and we're vulnerable and it's easier for us to believe that so i would love to do more of an episode on that mm -hmm. um so this goes without saying but we both believe the devil is real <laughs> that there is good and evil in the world and that the devil was an angel that fell he decided to turn away from god and he made that eternal lasting decision and decided that he wanted, he was greater than God and did not want to follow him. So he was an angel that fell. And we both agree his, his name was Lucifer, which means an angel of light. And he fell and now is known as Satan. Um, he has different names, um, but the devil is real. And that they're also, he has a legion of demons that were also angels that decided to follow him instead of God. And that they are active in the world. Um but we also, we believe that angelic good forces are in the world. And we do slightly disagree on that. Um, like in Catholics, we will pray for the intercession of guardian angels or not guardian, well, guardian angel too, but are also the archangels like St. Michael. But um, we would both agree that the angels are active in our lives, that they are doing things on behalf of God. Um mm -hmm. Um, we don't quite know a lot about the angels as Christians, like defined really. Um, I think we can know there's different, like, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Leagues of angels we see in the Bible. There's not a whole lot we know for sure, though. Um, I think that's on purpose. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I think we see in scripture anytime like an angel comes to a human, the human is like, oh, and he's like, do not worship me. Stop. I am but a servant of God. Yeah. Uh, so I think, I think just human nature is we, when we see a being that is not us, we automatically are like, must worship you. So I think yeah. we're in, we're intentionally unaware. I think of a lot of spiritual activity that is going on because either one, I think God protects us a lot from it because it would just be utterly terrifying, yes. <laughs> but two, <laughs> just for the sake of our, yeah are uh, easily idle focused hearts. <laughs> um, yeah, I, would, I would say the angels, I mean, the demons are working around us way more than we can see. I think we're protected in a lot of ways from that. Um, yeah. And I think angels are protecting us and are around us more than we, than we know. Interesting concept I heard once was, so you see in the Bible, especially in like the gospels, when there's a lot of demonic activity happening because Jesus is walking the earth so obviously spiritual warfare is just like whoop yeah yeah <laughs> and it's interesting because when you like look at a lot of the stories there almost appears to be sort of like regional demonic activity mm -hmm. uh, so you think of like the demoniac 
yeah. it's very much in like that area. And then they go to a different area and there's different demonic activity. And so someone postulated to me once, like maybe there is also regional angelic activity as well, like almost angels assigned to different regions. And it was interesting because you hear a lot with people who go through like very traumatic car accidents. They'll mm-hmm. experience this phenomenon where like someone will come help them. Like I actually knew a person who their car went off a bridge and was like literally in the water and they saw someone dive into the water, swim down and help them like get open the car door and get out. And then paramedics came and they were like, where was that man who helped me? And there was like literally no one there. And there were security cameras that showed no one there. And yet they have this like very like vivid experience of having someone help them. Um, and so it's interesting because like, and we can get into this with like guardian angels is very much a doctrine where that's like angels assigned to Christians And yet we see even angelic forces just interceding for humanity sometimes. Yeah. And guardian angels are something that's been been long held by the Catholic Church and something that I was raised believing. And I always forget about my guardian angel every once in a while. I'm like, oh, thanks. Um, (laughs) Sometimes I just imagine the situations I've been in. And there's always the jokes that the guardian angel is like, oh, come on, really? Like... (laughs) what are you doing? <laughs> um, but guardian angels, that's not something that every Protestant believes in. So I was curious, Megan, I remember learning that you believed in that, believed in them. And I was like, oh, that's interesting. Um, why you believe in guardian angels. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't, I think I have spoken to other Protestants who also believe, I think for most, they would say it should not, it's like not required. Like, yeah. That yeah. like oh we can't know for certain or something like that um because there just isn't a whole lot of explicit scriptural references for it it is very much more just Christian tradition yeah it is um, that dates back like very far so I think that can be compelling um but I totally understand someone being like well let's not like you know be for certain certain um one verse that I do go to is in Matthew. I was trying to desperately look it up while we were talking and I cannot find it. Um, I want to say Matthew 18. For some reason that's sticking in my head, but it's when Jesus is talking about like, do not despise these little ones for their angels in heaven view God with like, yes. Um, So a lot of people have pointed to that scripture as like, oh, they're angels. Like, what does that mean? And I think I think that can definitely be at least the starting point of a conversation of what that means or what that looks like. And I think it is completely within God's character to send out his army to defend us, his children. Um, And I read this like really great commentary on that verse a few years ago where it was talking about like, what Jesus is saying there is that we should not despise any believer, no matter how like small we may view them, because they have this huge, like this force from heaven protecting them, going before them. And when you look at someone that you might consider like, oh, they're kind of a weak Christian or, oh, they're not very important. It would be like seeing like the king's son coming with like an entourage of guards and armies sent from the king and when you look at him you wouldn't say like oh wow that makes the sun so important you'd be like wow he's a son of the king like i should respect him and how that's how we should be treating our fellow christians as well so it's not so much like like ooh angels like i think you know there are definitely times in history people have gotten a little too much into angelology and and oh, i see that now <laughs> gone yeah gone to the brink of like worship which is something we would both say is wrong but I think what it should do is one point us back to how much God truly loves and cares for us as his children that is incredible like the God of the universe is sending his army to protect me like whoa and then two just a greater respect and for our fellow humans that that is how God is treating them like how dare we (laughs) who am I (laughs) Yeah. How close is that to the Catholic view of guardian angels? Probably different, but. I honestly have not read like a very defined 
like teaching from the Catholic Church. It's not something I myself has have studied. I just know that it's permissible within Catholic view to believe that you have a guardian angel. Um, and just, yeah, that we're each assigned an angel from birth um, and they're to help us and lead us. And I actually was trying to look up if they are like, it's in the Catholic catechism, but I was trying to look up if it was something that's been like really defined. Um, the catechism of the Catholic church proclaims that from infancy to death, human life is surrounded by their angels, watchful care and intercession beside each believer stands an angel as protector and shepherding them into life. So I don't know. <laughs> I found the Psalm. In oh, Psalm Christ. 91 verse 11, okay. the in or yes, he will command his angels regarding you to guard you in all your ways. I think sense. it was Calvin when he was talking about the uh, the role of guardian angels. He was saying that we can't know for certain if it's like, oh, is there one assigned to each person? Or right. Are there many? Like that kind of thing. Right. But what's very clear in scripture is that God does send his angels on earth as messengers, as warriors. Like they all have different roles in ministering to humanity and that they are servants of God. So, And I think it only makes sense that if demons are active in our world and are doing things that god would allow the angels to also be active in our world and to be protecting and even like combating some of that demonic force the forces so which i think it's pretty clear to me that demons are up to no good sometimes i i and this is not church teaching and this is not something you have to believe but i've known people that have had gifts um and have been given like even if it's been momentary or like throughout their lives where they're like very in touch with the spiritual world and they can mm -hmm. like see and hear angels and mm -hmm. i've known it like they had just one experience where god allowed them to to know that um i had an old teacher who went and she was visiting like this beautiful cathedral and everyone there they're singing <laughs> and when they asked they're like there's no choir here like it's just they're pretty like they're pretty sure it was like the angels they could they were able to hear angels singing in oh. the church um and i thought that that was really cool uh, can I know for you know, when my when my great grandma was passing, she would talk about how um, all of these people in her room kept singing to her to comfort her when she was feeling like very sick or in pain. And we would like ask the nurses at the hospice. We'd be like, who's like going in her room singing to her? Like, that's so sweet. We want to thank them. They're like, literally no one. Yeah. And then she would talk about how Jesus would sit uh, at the end of her bed and just rub her leg if she was like like particularly like feeling scared about approaching death and things like that um so yeah I definitely think there are one either moments in our life where we are made more aware or two just I think some people are spiritually more sensitive yeah yeah I agree with that there's people in my life that I very much trust and know that they are not um psychologically disturbed or insane so and because yeah. sometimes you know people can see things and they're really not seeing anything um but that i do trust and they've been able to see yeah like demons or angels or just be more aware of their presence even if they don't see them if that mm -hmm. makes sense which i find is more common that they're more like sensitive to the their presence um mm -hmm. but yeah speaking of angels and demons we also agree on eschatology so the reality of heaven and hell and that they both exist and that they are eternal that's something the eternity of heaven and hell that's very much in or throughout in and throughout all of the church fathers that they all agree on so that's something that both of our traditions um believe in and thank god for that that this earth is not our last resting place <laughs> our homeland <laughs> and that we have an opportunity to <laughs> be in heaven with jesus and we both mm -hmm. agree on the beatific vision even though we don't know exactly what that looks like that's also something that is very unknown i know that church fathers and theologians and popes throughout time have tried to like guess or think about what they think heaven and the beatific vision will be like but really we don't know we don't really know um and that's mm -hmm. something that wait to see just a little, little teaser a little excitement <laughs> yeah. the beatific also that no, go for it. I was going to say it's, it's 
seeing Jesus, Jesus and being with Jesus in heaven and actually being able to fully see God, like not just Jesus, but God, the father, the just God, the whole person, the Trinity and that can't even picture what that'll be like. (laughs) No longer clouded by sin, by anything that is causing a barrier to be there. Just being in perfect harmony and relation with God. Like we can't picture that. We have no like experience to fall back on to even like comprehend, but that will be a reality that we get to look forward to. I also think uh, when it comes to like eschatology and end times that Jesus will return bodily in the second coming and that at the resurrection, we will all be given new bodies. I think that is another thing that's very unique in Christianity. A lot of traditions um, in other religions, when it comes to like end times or after death, it's a very like spiritual, like soul, like there's not a lot of embodiment. And for Christianity, it's very significant that we will be given new bodies in the new heaven and the new earth, and we will continue to be embodied souls. We will not be like souls like flying around. (laughs) Yeah. And that's something that we also agree on is the goodness of the body. Um, We reject Manichaeism or Gnosticism, which um, demonizes the body or the physical world, the material world, whereas we see the goodness in the body itself. And that yeah we will have a new and resurrected body and we keep our bodies in heaven which yeah i didn't realize how christian and unique of a view that really is um yeah and it's so important because it's also why death one of the reasons why death is so terrible is because there is that separation of soul and body that should never take place like we are meant to be ensouled and embodied and yeah i just i've i'm sure concepts like that exist in other religions yeah. but it's it's very uncommon to view like paradise being one where we are in bodies <laughs> it's very much seen as like our bodies are the ones that get sick that get tired that get hurt yeah. and things like that and so yeah that's unique about christianity yeah and we also agree there will be a final judgment yeah we also don't quite know what that's going to look like Catholics distinguish between like the great white throne judgment and the Bama yeah, seat, right? Yeah. 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 Which I never learned much about that, like the separation, the difference between those two growing up, just that like in the end we are judged, like we will see our sins before us, even if we are, you know, judged to be righteous and able to enter into heaven. Um, and that yeah, that are our sins, they even they have consequences, even if you are a Christian. Um, and that that's something that I, I always think about. I'm like, mm, can I skip that part? I would just like to not do that. Uh John and I, anytime we like do like knowingly do something we know is wrong, we'll always joke and be like, that'll come up at the Bama seat. Um like Ooh. Yeah. But yeah, yeah, the white the great white throne judgment being for those who do not choose Christ. The Bama seat being those who do have Christ at interceding and as their advocate. So almost viewed as like, Bama seat, you have a lawyer. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Loophole. No, kidding. <laughs> yeah. And a lot of this, it's it's unknown, but we agree on at least like there's, there are things that we can know. Like what is heaven going to look like? Yeah. What is hell going to look like? What is it actually going to feel like to die? And what are those final moments? And like, what is that judgment? All of that. I don't know. I mean, we hear people that sometimes come back like they've gone um, and they come back and it can give us like a taste. But even then, it's like, I think you always have to be wary of those things. Um, Mm -hmm. But yeah, no one really knows because anyone that's gone and stayed, um, we don't quite have. um, I can't really write it down. (laughs) You won't really have content. They can't really write it down for us. And you are thinking that you're contacting them and talking to them. Well, Mm, I don't know if that's who you're talking to. That's all I'll say about that. I would yes. cut that out. I would cut that one out, but maybe we can uh, talk about that more in another episode. <laughs> uh, something else you wrote, Megan, is that earth will be reconstituted to the new heavens and earth. Yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I've heard some people be like, Oh, like, well like be in heaven. And it's like, well, 
more precisely, it'll be the new heavens and the new earth. Like it will be creation without the stain of sin. Which how how do we even picture or imagine? (laughs) Like we can only (laughs) we can only dream, but yes, that that will be a reality. And once again, what that'll look like. Who knows? Um, I think that's fun conversations to have. Like, will we be able to explore other planets in the new heavens and the new earth? Like, mm-hmm. I don't know. And the last the last thing we wanted to hit on was something that actually came up naturally in our conversation, but being called to yeah. care for the sick and the poor, um, being called to be generous with our money, our resources, our time and our gifts, um, because that's something that we don't see much of in the world and definitely is not what is, would make you successful and world standards is being generous with your money. Um, but that's very much in the gospels and what both of our church traditions call for. Um, and also just being called to be a light of the gospel. We are called to evangelize and to share our faith, whatever, in whichever way I think each person is called to do that differently, but that's something as Christians that we're called to and to hopefully through our lives, introduce other people to Jesus. And like we touched on before, the the gifts of the Holy Spirit, mm-hmm. um, each of us having sort of a unique gift to serve and minister to others and draw us closer to the Lord. Um, and also, I think just spiritual disciplines, like mm-hmm. our pursuit of personal holiness as well, is something that's greatly emphasized in both of our traditions. Um, and I accidentally skipped over this at the beginning, but just our view of the Bible being like infallible and having this high view of scripture, like studying scripture is something that is encouraged in both of our traditions, um, pursuing like fasting and prayer and these other things, these activities that draw us closer to the Lord, because we are stripping away our own sin and our own areas where we don't have self-control or desire other things. Uh, worship being another one of those so just the the idea that we are growing towards holiness we are growing towards the lord and that we have an active role in that um the way we talk about it might be slightly different but it's present in both of our traditions yeah and um something that we we've been talking about today something that we that comes up often because life is hard but suffering and that there can be like that suffering can be redeemed and that there can be goodness found in suffering and that God is present in our suffering. And that's something that just like being a friend to one another or being in relationship that is really beautiful to agree with because we can like pray for each other and sacrifice for the other and like that we have that same that same belief. And that's something I think Christians, I really think, especially in this world can unite on is like, Uniting that suffering with the suffering of Jesus on the cross and knowing that God can redeem just as he redeemed Mm -hmm. Jesus' suffering on the cross, that he can redeem our own and then he's present in it with us. Um, I think that's a very important thing because it's hard to have faith and it's hard to believe and trust in the midst of such terrible suffering. And so to be able to agree that like we have a God that sits with us in suffering and, you know, promises to redeem that and that we were, we will have an eternal life that is compares nothing to that to that suffering that suffering will com- will compare will pale in comparison to the eternity that we are um we are looking to with god i think is something that is just present in all of christianity that i think it would be good for us to remember <laughs> that yeah. we do agree that we do agree on <clears throat> jesus promises that there will be suffering but then equally promises that he will be with us always And I think that's such an important thing to one, just recognize we're not alone. Like we have the Holy spirit, like Jesus is coming alongside of us. He, our suffering savior like knows and it has experienced that, but also each other. Um, What comfort can come into knowing that I am not alone in my experiences and in my sufferings and that my suffering can be used to help minister to someone else who is also going through something like that. I mean, just think about any time in your life where you have gone through something horrific and then later someone else is going through that same thing and you're able to connect with them in a way that someone else might not be able to because you know and you can help them feel so seen and so heard and so understood. And that is a beautiful gift in and of itself. 
Um, and in a way, I think we image Jesus in that. Yeah. And we can show Jesus to someone by being able to relate our suffering to their suffering. So yeah, just knowing that we're not alone in our Christian faith, that we are very much a part of the body of Christ, this invisible church uniting all believers. Mm-hmm. And I think, I think too, just going back to the beginning of why it's important to take time once in a while to reflect on your commonality with other brothers and sisters in Christ and other traditions is just that there's there can be an animosity that can grow when we focus too much or too often on our differences. But at the end of the day, it's so beautiful that we can be there for each other, that we can be a light and a witness to each other. Um, Especially like you were saying, like the world is against us. And like Jesus promises, like there will be persecution. Like if you follow me, there will be people who just hate you because they hate me. Yeah. And we should we should have a lot more support and love and grace for our fellow brothers and sisters who are going through the same thing. Yeah. And that we can still pray for each other. Like we we both believe oh, yeah. that our prayers are efficacious and do have power and we can intercede for the other and for each other. And that's something that's beautiful because like, yeah, I think that unites us because being in a relationship with someone for a while that did not believe in prayer, did not believe in God or in those things, like there's a little bit of like a rift and it's not that you can't be in relationship, but it definitely is different being in relationship with someone that prays for you and does intercede for you and thinks to even bring up like, well, I'm praying for you, or do you want to pray together? Or that's something that like Catholics and like all different Christians can do together. And sometimes it looks different in the ways that we pray or who we think can intercede for us or who we, but we can pray for each other and we can intercede for each other. Like we do believe that. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. And I think that that's like a very beautiful thing to remember. Yeah. And just that Jesus is like the focus and that we are everything that we do, even if it might look different or what, it's always like trying to lead us back to Jesus. And I think that that's like something good to focus on. Yeah. Sometimes we need the reminder to like stop yeah. looking at ourselves and to mm-hmm. fix our eyes on Christ. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I don't know who listens to our podcast more, Protestants or Catholics. I don't know. But if we missed anything that you can think of, let us know. Yeah. <laughs> there are a lot of things that we have in common. Um Absolutely. And I think even like we were saying, when we go into our differences, I do think we're pretty good about this, of recognizing like, oh, I agree up to this point or I agree up to that. So this would be more of the broad, just general, what are the like core pillars of the Christian faith that we agree on? But I mean, even when it comes to like something as controversial as the papacy, like, okay, we can both agree that Peter was like an important apostle and that he was set apart and that he had a unique role. Like we can both agree to that now to the extent of where that goes, we disagree. But I just, I think it's so important to like ground ourselves in that commonality, even when we're having those discussions of differences. Yeah. And to remember that ultimately, and I think we said this in another episode, like we're all trying to honor God in the best way that we can and do what we like is leading us to Jesus and what we think is most honoring to Jesus. And like, that's, it's good to know that like, it's, it's to see the goodwill in the other of like, I'm just trying to honor Jesus in the best way that I know how, and that with my brain, my human brain, I can see is the best way to do that. So that's also good to remember that we're all trying to end up in the same place is what I'm trying to say. (laughs) In the end, we're all hoping to end up in the same place, which is heaven with Jesus, where those differences will like not matter at all. (laughs) Um, Yeah, I think that's such a great reminder, too. Like, we will one day all be in heaven together. Yeah, because then we're all going to know, like, what we were right about, what we were wrong. Like, and it's not even going to matter because we're going to be like, oh, my gosh, like, we were with Jesus, you know? Yeah, Jackie will finally realize that Megan was right. But, like, Megan won't even care. (laughs) Right, right. Yeah. No, me with my Mary shirt over here. I always joke that I'm going to be like, Megan, when I get up there, I'm going to be like, hanging out with Mary. Yeah. (laughs) Just kidding. I'm going to be on my face like, Jesus, oh my yeah, gosh. Right. Like, I think I'm going to be all cocky, like, well, Megan, look who was right. Mm-hmm. No, I'm going to be like literally on my face in front of Jesus. Like, I don't even deserve to be here. Like I the just... opposite of having pride. <laughs> yeah, no pride. It will be so- anything that I, I knew was right will not be at all because of me. Um, 
the good of Jesus. Yes. And the many things in life that I got wrong and the many things I did wrong, I'll be like, thanks for letting me in Jesus. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) But yeah, let us know what you guys want us to talk about next. I'm sure we're, we're planning to talk about more things we disagree about. Don't worry. We'll get back to that um, because we never run out of those things either, but, (laughs) and it's, it's, uh, (laughs) It's they're interesting. Jack and I disagree on a lot. <laughs> yeah, we do all of this. Just forget about it. We'll get back to the disagreement. Yeah, who cares? Yeah, <laughs> throwaway episode. Mm-hmm. Yes. Well, thanks for tuning in, everyone. And until then, um, I don't know. Keep following Jesus. <laughs> Amen. Jesus loves you very much. Yes, Jesus loves you very much. <laughs>